0: Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week, I watched a new documentary that has managed to somehow make me like one of my favorite movies even more. I'll tell you all about it. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun.
1: I watched Hobbs and Shaw this week (laughs) in separate movies. I'll review The Rock's Jungle Cruise and Jason Statham's Wrath of Man.
0: And I've got a review of a great new cartoon and a review of a not-so-great new movie. But before any of that, a new trailer was unveiled this week for Ghostbusters Afterlife. What are you doing here in Somerville anyway? We're completely broke. And our grandfather left us this creepy old farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. Your father wasn't much of a homemaker.
1: He could hardly keep the power on. You're saying he left us nothing? Well, I wouldn't say nothing. Nothing.
0: went with station wagon it's the only one that had an engine so it focuses on the grandkids of og ghostbuster egon spengler who was played by the late great harold Ramis. in that clip we heard annie potts reprising her role from the original movies as janine who of course went on to marry egon their daughter is in this played by carrie coon she's in uh That show you like, right? The Leftovers? The Leftovers, yep. And Fargo. Oh, yeah. And, of course, she played Proxima Midnight in Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. And uh, then the grandkids are played by Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things and McKenna Grace, who's been in a bunch of things. So they're broke. Family's broke. They have to leave their home and go stay in this creepy old farmhouse that was left to them by Egon. And among the things he left them, the Ghostbusters station wagon. You heard it in that first clip, Acto-1. And right on cue, when the Spengler family arrives, something wicked this way comes. What is happening here? Somehow, a town with no fault lines is shaking on a daily basis.
1: Maybe it's the apocalypse.
0: That was Paul Rudd's voice in that clip, by the way. Then the granddaughter, Phoebe, says this.
1: Egon came out here for a reason.
0: What was that reason? From there, the trailer goes on to show a bunch of ghost-related activity.
1: You guys hear that? Something's coming.
0: The whole city took the walking dead. So it looks like some returning ghosts in this, Jeff, like Slimer and possibly the terror dogs that still give you nightmares from the first one. That sure sounded like a Zool growl we heard there in the clip. Yeah, and uh, what looks like could possibly be Gozer the Gozerian. Now, I haven't read that anywhere. I actually have no idea what they're up against in this movie, but... It's clearly trying to recapture something special from that first movie. Even some of the special effects, like there's a shot where you see the ghosts zooming around this town, and it's the almost identical, sort of like that pink comet effect when you see them flying all over New York. Uh, Very similar effect in this one. And especially they're trying to recapture that after that 2016 reboot, which was led by an all-female cast, was not too well-received. And there's something exciting at the end of this trailer. Ghostbusters, we're ready to
1: believe you.
0: We're closed. Whoa, is that the voice of Dan Aykroyd returning as Ray Stance? Ghostbusters Afterlife opens on November 11th. This was supposed to be released in July 2020 first trailer i think debuted in december of 2019 but like everything else it's been delayed due to the pandemic so very excited about this you excited absolutely
1: i've been waiting like you said over a year now for this one it's uh one of the top three of uh things coming out later this year that i'm jacked for
0: all right so in the meantime you mentioned hobbs and shaw starting with the rock so what did you what do you got for us
1: well, another Disney ride has actually provided the basis for a new family adventure film. And The Rock and Emily Blunt starred in a movie out this weekend called Jungle Cruise.
0: What's out there in the jungle is not a fun vacation. I'm not here for a vacation. On July 30th, get ready for... Wizard angel's trumpet? Anaconda. Piranha. Maniac? Please go away. Big hairy cat. Oh, I am not afraid. Rapids. Spiders. Lady, the monkeys are fine. Torpedo. Conquistadors.
1: Curse curses. You want to turn
0: back? Just getting started.
1: Disney's Jungle Cruise. And just like Ghostbusters, Jungle Cruise was supposed to come out a year ago, but it was one of the blockbusters pushed back by the pandemic. It's out now in theaters and on Disney Plus for $35. Notice that price has gone up $5 since the last Disney movie that they wanted you to pay for. I wonder how long that'll keep up. Aside from Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt, the movie also stars yesterday's Edgar Ramirez, Jack Whitehall, Paul Giamatti, and Jesse Plemons. Like I said, it's based on a ride at Disneyland, and a ride the Braun family really enjoyed both times we were in California in 1984 and 1993. There have been a lot of add-ons at Disney since then, but at the time, Jungle Cruise was The first ride you'd encounter if you took a left once you got inside the main gate, that's my recollection anyways, maybe we went in some other gate, I don't know. I was a kid. But Jungle Cruise was always the first ride we went on, and it's a good starter ride because it's really, really gentle. Basically, everyone crowds onto this little steamboat, and you slowly cruise through the Disney jungle, and a you know a fake hippo rises out of the water, or a fake snake lowers down from a tree and sort of scares you, things like that. And all the while, the tour guide cracks corny jokes that uh, you know made my dad laugh, and the rest of us roll our eyes, I'm sure. As far as I can remember, that was about it. Pretty simple stuff. Uh, It was my grandma's favorite ride for my sister and me. It It wasn't not fun, but it was also something we felt we had to endure before we got to the really fun rides. So the ride is basic, which gives the movie license to pretty much be whatever it wants, just like Pirates of the Caribbean did 20 years ago. And they put together a pretty decent story. It's set during World War I. Blunt and Whitehall are brother and sister from London who are in search of a fabled magic tree in the heart of the Amazon that she believes can be used uh, in the world of medicine to cure all sorts of things. There are supernatural elements to it all as well. The brother is basically just along for the ride, mostly as comic relief. He's an uptight city slicker and the jungle is no place for him. Blunt, on the other hand, plays this adventurous sort, and she's not afraid of anything. So to take them on their journey through the Amazon, they hire The Rock, who is a tour boat operator who fleeces tourists by faking little dangerous scenarios on their tours, and this is where the movie pays homage to the ride like the Disney employees. The Rock himself is full of groaner jokes and all the dangers that the tourists think they're facing just aren't real. He fakes them all up. So here come Blunt and her brother in for a real adventure with some real danger. And they're all trying to find this magic tree. And at the same time Jesse Plemons is playing a German submarine captain or something. He's also trying to find this magic tree. So he's a bad guy and then there's also, like I said, a supernatural element to play with some more bad guys involving the history of the tree and of course there are some twists and turns along the way honestly it's pretty formulaic but solidly so knowing what it is based on and that it's geared more towards kids i think they did a pretty good job with it the movie is gorgeous to look at you don't get a lot of jungle set movies anymore and on a boat to boot so that was nice i watched it at home but i definitely recommend the big screen for this one just for the scenery the characters i thought were fun they have good chemistry good casting we've seen emily blunt be an action star several times so that's no surprise the same of course for the rock and their playful banter is fun the rock's character is much less serious than uh, most of his other characters he's more lighthearted in general that's a fun side to see Uh, if there is something to nitpick maybe it's the action i mean it's fine But I think I was expecting more, because if you're going to have The Rock and Emily Blunt in your movie, people are going to expect fireworks on the action front. And it was a little underwhelming at times. I think kids will dig it, but I'm used to, you know, seeing him in the Fast and the Furious movies. And this ain't that. Again, I think probably seeing it on the big screen. Would have helped, but still pretty entertaining. Again, as a family movie, um, I would still recommend F9 over this to anyone looking for a fun action movie. But if you're looking for something for the whole family, this will definitely fit the bill, and I think everyone will have a good time. Three couch cushions out of five for Jungle Cruise. And there's one note I'd like to add. I was flabbergasted that even while The Disney logo was still on screen. Three seconds into this movie, I started hearing the familiar melody of the Metallica song, Nothing Else Matters. It's this new orchestral version that they recorded in conjunction with the film's composer, James Newton Howard. Uh, Apparently, some executive at Disney is just a Metallica fan, and those guys are up for almost anything, so... They were asked if they would contribute, change up one of their songs for the movie, and there it is. It's at the beginning, and then it comes back uh, later in the movie if you miss it at the beginning. But uh, pretty trippy to hear
0: Metallica in a Disney movie, Brett. Three couch cushions out of five for Jungle Cruise. And in a moment, we'll tell you about another new movie that's out this weekend starring Matt Damon. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. Jeff just reviewed one of the movies out this weekend, Disney's Jungle Cruise, starring The Rock and Emily Blunt. Also new this weekend, Matt Damon stars in Stillwater.
1: Allison came here for college, and that's where she met this girl, Lena. One night, she found Lena dead and called the police. All they cared about was Allison sleeping with some Arab girl
0: her i know you did
1: But everybody thinks that i killed her
0: we have exhausted every possible legal action is a lawyer not helping you i'm oh, doing it myself for now i could help A daughter's last hope, a father's only chance. Matt Damon stars in Stillwater, a film by Academy Award winner Tom McCarthy. So Damon is an American oil worker from Oklahoma who travels to Marseille to visit his estranged daughter. She's in prison for murder. She says she's innocent. So he goes on a mission to get her out of jail, but he's got to deal with language barriers and cultural differences and a complicated legal system. And if you're wondering if it's based on a true story, There's this from decider.com. While Stillwater is a work of fiction, it might sound eerily similar to one of the most famous criminal cases of the past 20 years, the Amanda Knox story. Knox, too, was studying abroad when she was convicted of the murder of her roommate, but she also insisted she was not guilty. After four years in prison, Knox was acquitted by the Italian Supreme Court. During an interview with the Today Show, Damon said Stillwater was not based on one true story, but had been based kind of loosely on the Knox story and evolved beyond it. Damon apparently got a five-minute standing ovation at Cannes Film Festival for this, but it's only at 68% on Rotten Tomatoes. It will be a serious mistake to commit a crime. To prove your daughter innocent, it will not get her out of jail. Let send you in.
1: Lord, please keep a watchful eye on Allison. Amen. Police.
0: Did you ask her to lie?
1: I'm trying to get my little girl out of jail. That's all I give a damn
0: about. You sound very American right now. Good, I am. Yeah, and you're also a stranger here. What did you do?
1: You just have to trust me.
0: Also, this week, I watched something on Netflix that I didn't even know existed. It's a show called The Movies That Made Us. Steven Spielberg plus dinosaurs. Bit of a no-brainer. A kid goes back in time, encounters his parents in high school, interferes with their relationship. It's kind of a difficult concept. Prostitute from Hollywood Boulevard. This is a Disney movie. I could not believe that this was going to be a Gary Marshall comedy. Run, force! If you have enough brute force, you can make anything work. Sid Sheinberg wanted the movie to be called Spaceman from Pluto.
1: <laughs> we turn white, it's just horrible.
0: This dude is slashing the budget.
1: It's so expensive to shoot on water. Get rid of all that shrimp thing. Shrimp, just get rid of
0: Vietnam. Just leave me here, get out! And cut. We didn't know how we were going to do the dinosaurs. I had
1: really shot my mouth off and said I could build a Rex. Spielberg himself said, you know something? I think this works.
0: Great. Everything looks great. It's probably one of the most perfect films that we've ever made in Hollywood. The whole thing all came together. Which was cause for great joy.
1: When you do movies well, they become bigger than life. And they're bigger than life to generation after generation.
0: So this popped up. I can't remember if I saw it in the top 10 or in the trending section or whatever. I just happened to stumble upon it. This is the second season of the movies that made us. It just came out uh, this past Friday. There are four episodes in that second season. Pretty Woman, Jurassic Park, Forrest Gump, and Back to the Future. And that is the episode that I watched. And this 45-minute documentary provided so much insight into the movie that the both of us love so much because we had, they sort of touched on it i believe in the blu-ray for the fact that marty mcfly was originally going to be played by eric stoltz he was they shot like six weeks worth of stuff with him. And then they decided it wasn't working. So they got rid of him and brought in Michael J. Fox, who was the original guy they wanted anyway. But you just learned some interesting things like guys like C. Thomas Howell read for the role. John Cryer read for the role. Ben Stiller an almost unrecognizable Ben Stiller because they show some footage. And uh, Billy Zane auditioned for Biff. One of my favorite guys from Titanic. Jeff, look at me, you filth.
1: So. And he ended up as one of the henchmen,
0: yeah, that's right. He and thing and good it's a good thing they didn't give him the role of Biff because Tom Wilson had the Thomas Wilson had the oh, yeah, the bigger, yeah. you know, the the actual physicality. And did you know that Jen from the office was the original girlfriend? No, I did not know that at all. Her no. name's uh, Malora Hardin. Yeah, she was the original yeah. Jennifer, but because they recast the role of Marty, she was suddenly because Eric Stoltz is taller Too than tall or something yeah. so the, so she was three inches taller than Michael J. Fox, so they they had to get rid of her, and it was like they they took a poll of the female staff and the female crew, and they all said there's no way a teenage girl would date someone who's shorter than her, so they had to cut her loose um so it, and when you watch this documentary, you'll see just how much of a miracle it was that it got made given the problems they had and the deadlines they had to meet. And then it turned out to be an actual miracle. That clip in that piece, in that trailer, where he says this is one of the most perfect movies that's ever been made, that was in the Back to the Future episode. And I I couldn't agree with that more. It has consistently been in my top five films, and now I want to watch it again? Like, I haven't seen it enough? By the way, the first season, which came out in November of 2019. The four movies there are Dirty Dancing, Home Alone, Ghostbusters, and Die Hard. Uh, So there's that. The one complaint I had is that it it, it was so zippy, it moved along at such a crackling speed. Like, if you look away for a second, you might miss something. So you really gotta pay attention to every second of this show. In a moment, we're going to the Shaw component of Jeff's Hobbs and Shaw adventure. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes.
1: Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett. We've been talking about Hobbs and Shaw because I saw The Rock in Jungle Cruise this week. Three out of five for Jungle Cruise, by the way. And now speaking of Shaw, Jason Statham, he has the number one movie on Netflix this week. It's called Wrath of Man.
0: I can do it in two weeks. You only wish you could do it in 20 years. I can see it's going to be a long night.
1: Ah! Who is this? Wrath of Man is written and directed by Guy Ritchie. He and Statham have worked together several times over the years. In fact, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels would have been the first time any of us heard about either of them, I believe, and that's back in 98, I think. There's a subgenre of crime movie that has the spirit of a B-movie or a straight-to-video movie, but is technically better made and stars more capable actors, even if the dialogue sounds like some of those lesser movies. And that's what this is. I think it's sort of like Heat meets John Wick meets Den of Thieves, and it seems like it's Taylor made for Statham. He plays the strong silent type with a dead serious look on his face the whole movie and has a penchant for blowing away lowlifes. He plays a guy named H, a man of mystery at first who gets a job as an Armored Car Guard. In this movie, they're not called armored cars, though. They're called cash trucks, which sounds cooler. It's set in Los Angeles, and the opening scene is a robbery of a cash truck that goes horribly wrong, resulting in several deaths. Statham comes in after that, applying for a job at the same company as the truck that got hit, a company called Fortico. Immediately, we know something is up with this guy because we get no concrete information about him up front, but you can tell that he's up to something, and we soon realize that uh, there's a lot more, he's a lot more talented at putting down bad guys than his job interview and training would indicate. Now, the great fun of this movie, and I enjoyed this an awful lot, is the unraveling of all the little mysteries, starting with who Statham is and what he wants and how he's going to get it. But it's not all about him either. In the end, you know, it's a relatively straightforward story, but the revealing of it over the course of two hours is anything but straightforward. The structure divides the movie into four sections, and it bounces back and forth through time, and it shifts perspectives to different characters, and it's all very skillfully done by Guy Ritchie cheap. It doesn't feel like most of his other movies. It's darker and heavier. There are some laughs, but not nearly as many as you would think, based on his other movies like Snatch or Rock and Rolla. He's also not as hyper with the camera work. Uh, if you didn't if you didn't see his name in the credits, you probably wouldn't even guess that this is a Guy Ritchie movie, except that the story really does play out like one. There are quite a few characters, and it's all intertwined to degrees that I'm not even sure I fully grasped. This will be an interesting rewatch, knowing what you know after seeing it through once. It's just a puzzle box. It'll have you going, wait, what? A bunch of times throughout the movie. It's also brutally violent and the ending is fun on one level but it's also very darkly cynical that I would understand that if some people just didn't dig it. The cast also includes uh, Holt McCallany. He's one of the lead guys on the show Mindhunter. He's terrific in this. He's tasked in the first section of the movie with a lot of exposition, and he's a fun character to have deliver it. Jeffrey Donovan and Scott Eastwood play guys in a heist crew. They are ruthless and vicious. Andy Garcia plays a character named Agent King. He's only in a couple of scenes, but he makes the most of it. Josh Hartnett's in it, too. He plays a co-worker of Statham's called Boy Sweat Dave which is a very Guy Ritchie sounding nickname, and they don't explain it. And I think I'm glad that they don't explain it. It was nice to see Hartnett again, though. He's he was a very fast rising star, like 15, 20 years ago. But this is the first I've seen him in ages. His IMDb page does look like he's been working steady, but just not in anything major for a while. He was in that TV show Penny Dreadful, which I never watched, but it's a name I recognize. Um, you could tell everyone in this movie, you know, is on board with what they're doing. Is they're in with the spirit of this thing. They're all having a great time. There's also this great dark moody score throughout the movie. It does. It adds to the overall vibe, and it just helps propel things along. Like I said, in the end, it is a pretty straightforward story, but the telling of it is very clever. The style is a little simpler and cleaner than you usually see from Guy Ritchie, and it feels like that's you know the right decision for this movie. Statham is right in his lane in this one, and that's always fun to watch. He's exactly what you would expect from Jason Statham. Overall, I thought it was a great time, and it was a surprise because I wasn't really expecting that much, but I kept seeing it at the number one spot, so I was like, oh, i got to check this out. Like I said, it's on Netflix. Right now, I highly recommend it, Brett. Four couch cushions out of five for Wrath of Man. Have you seen the entire Stathamverse? I have not. I have not seen the Crank or the Transporter movies. I remember we talked about this when I think when I talked when I reviewed Rock and Roll a couple weeks ago, a couple months back, that we really liked him in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch and sort of thought he would be like a fun comic indie actor. And then he turned into an action guy. And I kind of pushed back on that at first. I didn't really start getting into him again until he entered the Fast and the Furious universe.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's very good at the action stuff and he's a talented martial artist. So I don't blame him for doing this while he can because you, 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 eventually he's going to run out of gas or run out of steam. Will that though? And that, well,
1: you, because, like, I was thinking, like, Paul Rudd, this guy is pretty ageless. He, he, Like, he doesn't look like he's any older now than he is 20 years ago, although I'm sure if we did actually look at side-by-side comparison, it would be noticeable. But he still seems like he's got to be 50 years old, but he could pass for 35 in these moves.
0: Well, let's see. How old is Jason Statham? <laughs> he's 54. No, there's no question. He he looks like a younger man. I mean, The Rock is 49, Vin Diesel's 54. Uh, I'm just wonder. I just think like he's gonna stop making action movies at some point. He's not gonna be 70 years old. Gosh, I hope he's not 70 years old. That's still true. Doing these. Liam uh, Neeson does it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we'll see. I miss. All I. I we'll tell. My point is, I. I still. I would like. I hope he goes back to doing comedies at some point because he was so good at that as well. But yeah. he's making the money while he can, so good for him because they're all pay. They're clearly paydays for him, uh, so that's cool. I might check that out based on that recommendation. Four couch cushions out of five. In the meantime, Netflix has also rebooted one of my favorite cartoons from when I was a kid. And the masters of the universe. I am Adam. became the mighty battle cat and I became He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. So He-Man, yes, the new show is called Masters of the Universe Revelation, partly written and executive produced by Kevin Smith. I should point out, by the way, I still get goosebumps when I listen to that theme and hear him say, I have the power! I just love it! I love it so much. Uh, so this uh, first half of the season is 5 episodes. Time after time you try to take this castle, but you will never succeed Skeletor. Call your champion. I have the power. Yeah, they don't do do the I have the power as well in this particular series. So this cast includes Chris Wood as He-Man. I don't really know him all that well. He was in Supergirl I do remember him from that. He had a small role, and uh, he had a role in The Vampire Diaries, which I never watched. Uh, He's been in a bunch of stuff that I haven't seen. Some of the other names are more recognizable, like, for example, Mark Hamill is Skeletor, Sarah Michelle Gellar is Tila, Lena Headey is Evil Lynn, and there are a lot of other recognizable voices in this too. I really liked it. Five episodes. It's pretty cool. A lot of the fanboys out there reportedly do not enjoy it because there is a massive shift of focus from He-Man to Tila in these first few episodes. So I guess the the middle-aged guys who grew up watching He-Man are angry that they're focusing more on the woman character versus the man character. I don't know. I don't care because I thought it was great. Uh, the animation was really cool. They're also complaining because they they think that Mark Hamill's work as Skeletor sounds too much like um, like his work as Joker in the Batman cartoons. But uh, I thought he sounded great, and uh, yeah, it was fun. So it was a nice it was nice to go back and enjoy something I enjoyed so much as a kid, but to do it in a new way, and it, I guess in a bit more mature. Because if I were to go back and watch those He Man cartoons now. <laughs> I, I would probably think they're really cheesy or really bad, and this is geared towards, I don't want to say it's not for kids, but I think it's somebody something that all ages can enjoy. Did you like He-Man when you were a kid? I loved He-Man, and
1: if you're going to go back and watch old He-Mans, maybe go back first and watch old Rocket Robin Hoods, and then He-Man will look pretty good after that because the animation of Rocket Robin Hood was terrible. Yeah. Uh, even at the time, it was terrible. No, I loved He-Man, and I had a I I had a little He-Man action figure, and my buddy Derek down the road had a Skeletor 1, and we'd fight with those things all the time. It was awesome.
0: Nice. Yeah, I remember when I uh, we would go to the video store to home movie video rentals, is what it was called, and uh, I would walk in there with my dad, and I would always be sad because they had He-Man cartoons for rent, but only on VHS. And at the time, we had a Beta VCR. Beta was the superior technology, but man, I didn't care when I was four or five years old. I just wanted to watch He-Man. I couldn't understand, like, why can't it, why can't we rent He-Man? Because we don't have a VHS VCR, but when we got a VHS VCR, the first thing I was saying was, "He-Man, He-Man, He-Man, can we go we'll get He-Man?" <laughs> <laughs> and we did, and it was wonderful. Apparently, it was on TV. I don't remember it being on TV. Yeah. I, I watched it all the time on TV. I think um, it might—it
1: must have been on Fox, and uh, the I. I where I lived was very close to the U.S. border, and we could get a Fox TV station from the other side of the border. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and where you are is uh, just probably just a bit out of range. You couldn't get that, right? That's right. Yeah, so we, we so, so I had He-Man, and we had Thundercats and Arsenio Hall every night. It was awesome.
0: Oh, I did have Thundercats and Arsenio Hall, but you also had Voltron which we didn't have yes. on any channels uh, where, where we are here in Winnipeg. So. But yeah, if you like He-Man, check this out. Masters of the Universe Revelation. It's five episodes. The second part is coming out later this year. I will tell you, the ending is a killer cliffhanger. So I can't wait for the second part. I should also point out as well, uh, I found this on Netflix. There is a documentary called The Power of Skull. And it just kind of details the history of He-Man. And it's fascinating. I watched the first half of it only so far, but it's really good. And I wanted to make sure I got this on your radar because it's leaving Netflix on August 23rd. So you only have a few weeks left to watch that. So if you're all interested in uh, He-Man, then watch the cartoon and watch Pyro Skull, and you'll have a good time. In a moment, I'm going to tell you what not to watch because I am shocked At how little fun I had watching this film You're listening to The Couch Potatoes I'm Brett, he's Jeff We are The Couch Potatoes At the beginning of the show I told you that I watched a great new cartoon And a not so great new movie This movie is on Prime It debuted this past weekend It stars Kate Beckinsale And is called Jolt Jolt Lindy, this is not a cure. The only way we're going to make progress is cutting-edge avant-garde treatment. I've got this condition. It makes me snap. Like Tourette's? Just tiny bit more. Intense. As explained, she has a rare condition that causes her to snap and lose it. And the only thing that helps her is this rig that she wears around her back and her chest to give herself electric shocks. So clearly she's had a tough life. But something good finally happens to her and then it gets taken away immediately. So she goes on a revenge mission. You spent years being forced to repress your anger. But now you have seen how powerful you can be when you embrace your rage. Oh, seriously! You're going to make me go through the whole face stomping, bone breaking, making a mess routine? Okay, fine. Scott, this has a pretty good supporting cast. Uh, you heard the voice of Stanley Tucci in there. Bobby Cannavale, Valley, uh, J- Jai Courtney, Laverne Cox, David Bradley, Susan Sarandon, just to name a few. Uh, By the way, do you remember Jolt Cola, Jeff? I remember. I don't remember ever
1: drinking it. I do remember that it was a thing.
0: Yeah. I tried it a couple of times. It was just extra syrupy. I don't remember it being like tons of caffeine. That's sort of the marketing. Anyway, that's the first thing when I saw the poster for this. Like, (laughs) ah, Jolt Cola. I got to say this movie, though, was okay at best. It was a disappointment. Like, it did have some pretty nifty stuff in it, some good fight scenes and a couple of half-decent car chases and some good camera work. And Sale is great, and she brings it and everything. I think she's a tremendous actor, and she's uh, awesome at action stuff. Uh, but the movie is just not. It, it, it just was missing something. It just didn't have it, uh, which is irritating, because the way the movie ends, they're clearly aiming to make a sequel, but I kind of wish... They would just like not bother because I I have a feeling if they couldn't get this right then they're not going to get the sequel right. So I don't know, but I'll end up watching it if they make one. So there you go. Um, so I'm going to give it two, <laughs> maybe two and a half couch cushions out of five. Just don't bother. Do not bother watching Jolt. Uh, should also point this out quickly as well. Showtime released a new sneak peek trailer this week for the special event series Dexter: New Blood.
1: Every day, I walk through this
0: world, faking it. Knowing if someone knows who I am, that's it. So, Dexter takes place 10 years after he went missing in the eye of Hurricane Laura. The series finds him living under an assumed name in the small town of Iron Lake, New York. And while Dexter is trying to embrace his new life, uh, there are some unexpected events that happen that awaken his dark passenger. If you're not familiar with Dexter, he's a good guy who kills bad people. He worked for the Miami police in their forensics forensics department, and uh, that was his day job, but his night job, he would go out and kill serial killers and really bad people. Uh, so it was a cool show, but the final season was a disaster, and it had one of the worst endings of all time. So I'm looking forward to this. and that's one of the reasons why they went back to the well here because yeah. they want to improve the show's legacy. Uh, so that debuts on November seventh and I can't wait for some dicks. That is good because because they can't, you know,
1: ruin the series because all they can do is improve upon what they did. So there you go. That, that's a good way to go about it.
0: I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the couch potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.